What did you eat for breakfast? I had two pieces of toast with raspberry jam. Welcome to Music on Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 144. This episode is sponsored by Ignite Your Music Career. You may remember in episode 90, I chatted to Craig Dodge about sync licensing and how he makes a living through writing music for TV, video games, and film. Musicians all over the world subscribe to Ignite Your Music Career and earn more royalties, more upfront sync fees, and more recurring revenue from their music. Whether you're a composer, singer-songwriter, band, beatmaker, or instrumentalist, your music can be earning you more money. Internationally acclaimed composer, musician, and music educator Craig Dodge has licensed his music in more than 1,000 TV show episodes, films, video games, and ads all over the world, and he will show you how you can too. Ignite gives you the information you need in a simple, accessible format, and you learn at your own pace. For just $6 a month, you get a video lesson each week on topics related to music licensing, from writing techniques to how to find your markets, and everything in between. You also get tools and activities to build the skills you need to be successful, and each lesson includes a royalty-free sound pack to download and use in your own music. The key to success in the music business today is to diversify your sources of revenue. Ignite will show you how. For more information or to subscribe to Ignite, visit the website at taris-studios.com or click the link on musiconyourownterms.com. Joining me this episode is Toronto-based entrepreneur, business coach, and bluegrass musician, Pete Moore. Pete talks about his early teen experiences with his cousins in the bluegrass scene and his history as an entrepreneur. We learn how the business experiences Pete has had influenced him in running his former quote-unquote hobby bands as businesses that went on to play large festivals and make enough to cover both expenses and recording several CDs. Finally, Pete shares a great deal of useful tips that musicians can use to implement automation systems in their own business that will save both time and money. If you enjoy the podcast and want to show your support, I'd be really grateful if you would consider signing up for the mailing list to stay in the loop with everything going on with the show. Just head over to musiconyourownterms.com and click the link. While you're there, you can also visit the store and grab some merch, or just buy me a coffee and help out with the running costs of the show. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm hanging out with Pete Moore, who is a entrepreneurship coach. He has his own podcast and a, and a training thing. Um, whoops, don't want to hit the mic. So I'll let let you take it away of you know what what you do and well, first I should say welcome and how are you. I'm doing well. Great. So yeah, let my audience know, you know, what what you do and what, you know, what you're all about. 
Yeah, sure. So my name is Pete Moore, as you said, and my main business is I actually sell shoes. So okay. I've got a couple of shoe stores and they're called Shootopia here in Ontario, Canada, about an hour outside of Toronto. For those of you that know where Toronto is, I think a lot of people hmm. do. And then I also have Simplifying Entrepreneurship, which is the name of my podcast, as you mentioned, also my coaching business. And from that perspective, what I do is I help entrepreneurs coach them through the chaos of running a business. You know, I, I put it as I take their frustrations and turn them into freedoms through a series of processes and frameworks and all sorts of different things that free up their time, free up their money, you know, save them money, save them time. You know, entrepreneurs are busy people and overwhelmed, overworked, and tend to get bogged down in some of the minutiae sometimes instead of working sort of on their businesses, they're working too much in them. So from that perspective, I spent a lot of my time talking to entrepreneurs to try to free that up and give them good ideas and processes around how to give them their time back, which is always so crucial for entrepreneurs. And in between that, I try to get a tune in every now and then too. Right. I was just going to say, so I mean, obviously this is a music podcast and musicians working on their business is, is crucial because the the ideal business model for a musician is not to have to worry about the business, but we all know that doesn't exist anymore. Right? Exactly. Honestly, never really did, except for the the really you know upper echelons of of musician you know stardom. But yeah. So yeah, you play. You have a guitar and a, a ukulele in the background, which is great. So we'll get into that a bit later. So I guess the first thing I want to ask is what got you into entrepreneur entrepreneurship. What was the bug that bit you with that? And how did you find out what entrepreneurship was? Well, I've been a, I've been an entrepreneur all my life, uh, really. I mean, even when I was growing up as, you know, 12, 13 year old, I used to make crafts for local uh, craft shops. My mom was doing the same. So she got me going on doing some. I was selling them to craft stores and different things, cutting lawns in the neighborhood, doing all that sort of stuff. I had a landscaping business in high school and university. And then after university, I worked for about six months for somebody else. And then I decided, you know what, this just isn't for me. So yeah. started my first business and then never looked back. You know, it's been, that was 1994. And we're, as we record this in 2021. So 27 years later, I've done nothing really other than work for myself in a variety of different businesses. But I've always had bands along the way too. And you kind of look at the bands and, and work through different bands as a business in itself and an entity mm -hmm. in itself too. And we always kind of looked at it that way. Although, you know, it's, we've never been, you know, professional road band or anything like that, but I'd say sort of at one time with a couple of the bands sort of semi-pro where we're touring around a fair bit and having some fun and I call it a paid hobby. Yeah. But from that perspective, looking at, at our band has always been a piece of, you know, we take that entrepreneurship model and look at our band that way too. And not, it's not just happenstance, mm -hmm. you know, you got to put things in place in order to make things happen. And that's where, that's where I'm thinking, you know, some of our conversations around that the crossovers can happen today for some of the people listening that are, that are, you know, in bands and running bands. Absolutely. What got you into shoes? Well, you know, long story short, I had a couple of businesses in the Ottawa area for about 15 years and um, was ready to move on from those. So I sold both of those businesses, became a business broker and helped, you know, people buy and sell businesses. And with this one business, the shoe store that we currently own, I was I was pitching it to another guy, but he lived back in the auto area. So five and a half hours away, you know, and he basically said to me, 
love the business. You know, when you when you're pitching a, a business as a broker, it's kind of like doing a house. You know, they mm. people with a house, they're like, oh, I, I want three bedrooms, two bathrooms, a garage, blah blah blah. Well, when you're pitching a business, somebody will come and say, I needed to make this much money. This is what I'm looking for, and I have this much money to spend. So it's in a way, it's kind of the same thing. So all of those things lined up for this particular client, except the fact that it was five and a half hours away. And he's like, I could never get my family and my wife to move and she's got a job and all this other stuff. Anyway, we looked at it and we're small town people. Although my businesses were in Ottawa, we lived in a small town near Ottawa. So I commuted all the time. And I said, this is great. This is a a small business that does really well, is well known in the industry. And basically adds up for our business and or for our lives. So we went ahead and bought it and made the move back then. And that was uh, 2010, so 11 years ago. We added uh, another, we bought another store, added another store. Since then, we've gone back one store, so we're back down to two from, from three, but still have two stores and they're successful and doing well. And from that perspective, I have things running quite well with the stores, which allows me, again, like we're talking about, the freedom of time to do other things, which is why I spend a lot of time talking business because I love business. I mean, it's very, it's just one of those things. It's like, hey, you love grabbing your guitar, your mandolin or whatever it is. And, you know, I love talking business too. And from that perspective, you know, it's just been a passion of mine for a very long time. And now I get to do it for a living too, which is also fun. That's fantastic. Yeah. So the first question, you know, the first uh, conversation we could have is, you know, in your business, obviously you have to put in, in place some systems and automations. What do you think a, a musician could do with that respect to get back some of that time and actually put in some put in some automations in their own business so they can focus on their music? Well, I mean, there's so many different things. I think the best part to start and where I've always started with the bands that I was involved with is taking it back really a couple of steps from that and starting off with what is the mission of the band? What's the vision? What's the purpose? You know, are are we okay to be semi, you know, like, do we want to play two weekends a month? Are we playing at, you know, four days a week? How often are we practicing? Like, making sure that everybody's in line and full alignment with what the mission and values and principles of the band are, because that's where I've seen so many bands split because of that sort of thing without the proper alignment. So, you know, a lot of the other stuff, when you get into the marketing and all that stuff, doesn't matter if you don't have your band together. <laughs> so, Absolutely. so really it really, it comes down to, are we aligned? And, you know, a simple sort of mission statement type idea and vision and all of that sort of stuff, a half day sitting down with the guys to really talk that stuff out, get it down on paper, roll through all of that sort of stuff as to what everybody wants and make sure there's full alignment is the first thing. And then after you have that, then it's like, okay, well, do we want to go out, you know, every weekend? Are we trying to do every second weekend? What, what are we trying to do four festivals a year? Are we trying to do 12 festivals a year? How, what's the radius that we're going to do around where we live? all of those other things. And then you can start mapping that into marketing. And when it comes down to marketing that sort of stuff, then you can start pulling in some automations. And, you know, great, there's great tools that help some of those automations out there. And I'll just say one of the ones is going to be an email list, you know, 
Like who mm-hmm. are you using MailChimp? Are you using, why well, use Klaviyo for all my stuff? And I mean, there's just so many different email systems that will, that will help you build the funnels. Because once you have your contact list and everybody in the band's going to bring certain contacts and stuff, you pool them all into a, a list. And then, you know, where, is the, where are these people from? Making all of those documents up front saves you so much time in the back end. Saves you so much time. And depending on whether you're working with an agent or whatever the case is, but if you're not and you're doing it sort of solo, then from that perspective, somebody's got to manage that. And when you're managing all that sort of stuff, you want to use as many automations as you can. And from that perspective, I love you know setting up that marketing flow. So how often are you going to get in touch with these people? What, you know, are you going to segment them into different segments? This, these guys are outdoor festivals. These guys are indoor bars. These guys are, you know, church gigs or whatever you're playing and all of those different things. And what, how are you going to promote to those? So when you look at all your marketing and your promotion side of things, there's a lot you can do for automations. And then, you know, that's just email, but then you can get into the funnels of all around your marketing and your social channels and your YouTube and all of the other things too. And there's some great easy tools around that, whether I particularly like Meet Edgar, okay. which is a, a social, you know, it's a social platform basically that you can post once and it's going to spit out to LinkedIn and to Instagram and to Facebook and to all the different, you know, to YouTube, all the different channels. And from that perspective, uh, it's one that that I, I use, but there's later and there's, I mean, there's all sorts of different compilers, basically, of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And that saves a ton of time. How much time are you trying, you know, taking this one post and reposting it across seven different channels? Right. Right. So huge time savers. And when we look at, I mean, even the way we we do our Gmail and stuff like that, there's all kinds of ways to save and schedule and send out uh, messages in between, like from the from the band perspective on how we're, you know, you can use tools like Slack now, which we didn't have when Mm -hmm. we were running the band. You know, I haven't been in an active band now for probably about five years. Uh, But even then, I, I mean, our, our, our business teams, we use Slack, we use a variety of different channels like that, or you could use Microsoft Teams if people are on Microsoft, you know, to communicate. Monday.com. Yep, exactly. And of course, Zoom and all of those other things. One of the things that I love when we were talking marketing and, and things like that, one of the tools that I like that saves me an immense amount of time too, is called Loom. L O O M and loom is a, another video, but I, but I send all sorts of looms every day. Instead of typing out an email, I send a loom, a video and, and Mm. you can't, I mean, it's amazing how many people really appreciate a personal video as opposed to somebody tapping out an email or whatever the case is, or you can send, you can send looms by text and all that sort of stuff too. You just send the, send the link, but doing that video Mm. takes a whole lot less time than writing out all the stuff. And it's a whole lot more personal, right? So those are, those are some tools that I use sort of every day and some things that have saved me an immense amount of time. And you can back end a lot of automations and stuff on those as well. You can use just a variety of like, if then that, or, or uh, Zapier, Zapier Zapier is another one that, that we use as well, that we can, you know, start, start pulling together spreadsheets and things like that. It depends on how technical people are, but from that perspective, there's a lot of people out there that will do that for you too. Once, once you know what you want to do. For sure. Yeah. I mean, just, just as for people uh, that don't know what it is, like if the, if then that or Zapier are conduits from one thing to another, so you could set up a, a zap to go from Gmail into Slack and it opens up a channel like, 
if for your sales or, or whatever whatever it is. I mean, it's it's it, there's a plethora of stuff you can do with it. Yeah, there is. But I definitely want to touch on the video aspect there because what I see, I don't see too many people doing it. But like, if you get a follow on Instagram, the people that the first of all, the people that don't send a thank you is is a missed opportunity. But then people that instead of like texting back saying thank you can you listen to my music or whatever it may be like actually sending a video saying hey person i really appreciate you following me that goes so far the connection you just built is just ridiculous and what does it take right it takes like 10 seconds i mean it, right, it, you exactly. hit the loom button loom comes on five four three two one you spit off a little thank you and you copy the link and put it in and you're done mm. And, and what can that bring to you over the course of time, that one connection? For sure. Maybe a very lot of p potential there, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to say, once you have all this automated stuff set up in your business, if you get to the point where you're able to pass it off and give it to an assistant or a manager or you know an agent you're working with, that stuff's already set up. It will save them so much time, which actually costs will cost you less because they're not having to charge you for the time they're spending doing all that stuff manually. Absolutely. Yeah, it's there's there's incredible tools now and a lot of people still don't know they're out there, but we're talking hours a week and hours a week over a course of a year is a lot of time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So how did you get into music in the first place? Uh, you have guitar and mandolin on the wall. So, yep. you know, what, what got you into music and then what got you into instruments? Sure. So for me, none of my family played music. And I grew up with one of my cousins who lived about an hour and a half away from me. I used to enjoy snowmobiling with him up here. In, and we used to go snowmobiling a lot in the winter. And he'd drive down, I'd drive back, and we'd do stuff. But he grew up playing fiddle in, in mm -hmm. the fiddle competitions and all that sort of stuff, you know, Canadian fiddle music. And from that perspective, I really, you know, got along well with him, started going to a few of the fiddle competitions when I was about 16 with him. My uncle had bought me a guitar when I was about 13 because I told him I wanted to start playing, but I never really, I, you know, I toyed around a little bit, but never really played very much. Like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of musical influence at home at the mm -hmm. time. But then when I, when I started playing a little bit with Chris, I started really, you know, enjoying it and playing and, you know, started taking on flat picking fiddle tunes and different things like that along the way. We traveled to a lot of fiddle competitions competitions. And then we got introduced into the bluegrass competitions and bluegrass mm -hmm. festivals in Canada and sort of the Northeast and the US. We used to travel around a little bit too, and really enjoyed some of the music that was coming from, met some of the bands and played some great stuff there for a lot of years. And, and that's really where the foundation happened. And then when I was 23, my uh, wife, uh, well, to be wife at the time, one of her best friend's father played in a bluegrass band and we were at a wedding one day. And, you know, sometimes you get invited to the supper and sometimes you don't. Well, we didn't. And I was with him and he basically said, you know, my dad, you're you like bluegrass, don't you? And I said, yeah, he goes, well, my dad's actually playing in the town that the wedding was in today. Why don't we go over there? We'll have supper. They're playing an afternoon set. And, you know, tell me what you think of the band. So uh, we went over there. I actually got up on stage and, and, and flat picked a couple of tunes with the guys that day. And then about two weeks later, my, my buddy's dad called me and he said, hey, listen, uh, our mandolin player quit. Hmm. And do you play mandolin? And I said, well, I own one. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but I really hadn't played a whole lot at that time. And I said, you know, guys, you know, I, I, I get it. I understand it. It's not something that I do a lot of, but I'm willing to learn if you're willing to work with me. And mm-hmm. I put in some time and, and they, they were generous enough to bring me on. And that was with a band called Northern Sons. And we traveled around and had some great times, recorded four CDs from uh, 1995 to 2005 and played down in the States, played in, in, in Canada, won some competitions and had a lot of fun for uh, a good time. And then I left the band in 2007 because I was doing some other stuff and, and moving on. And then uh, I, I picked up with another cousin of mine who's, who's musically oriented when I moved here mm. about 10 years ago. And we started a band called Shine, and that's another bluegrass band. And we had some fun, too, and had a few derivatives. We never actually got to recording. And the recording I left you was just a little practice, a practice one that we, we put out one day. Or we were just kind of sitting around a recording studio because one of our bass player owned a recording studio. Mm. But we never actually got down to record anything formal with that band. But enjoyed some times, and we did a lot of festivals. I mean, that was our thing. We didn't, we never really played band, uh, bars all that much. It was more, right. we were more festival bands with the bluegrass band. So a lot of fun, a lot of interesting times, great people, just really fond memories. And looking back, and with all COVID, of course, here anyway in Ontario, pretty much all of the festivals for the last two years have been canceled. There's been nothing. Right. So looking forward to getting back to a couple festivals, hopefully in 2022. That's great. I mean, what did you take from that experience that you could like apply to your business? And, you know, what did you take from your business experience that you applied to the music? Well, with the Northern Suns, it was really interesting because we in in that band, we had a bank manager. (laughs) We had a construction, a guy that owned a a very successful construction business. Mm -hmm. Another guy that owned a rental business. I owned some service businesses. And we had another uh, guy early on that owned appliance repair business. And so we were pretty much all entrepreneurs. Our lead singer worked at, at Home Depot and he was he was there for quite a while. So he had some flexibility with the schedule and stuff like that. So from that perspective, you know, we were all we were all entrepreneurial. So you know, we all had great takes on what we could do with the band, what we wanted to do with the band, how much time we wanted to commit, which was a really important thing. How much time do you want to commit to this? Because that seems to be a breaking point for a lot of different people with different expectations. So we, we always laid that sort of stuff out as to what are the expectations. And I think that was one of the big learnings along the way. You know, the way we ran the band was none of us was doing it for money. Like I said, it was a paid hobby. So we basically took out our expenses. And we just say, hey, you know, I had 300 bucks expenses this weekend or 600 bucks expenses. And it was just sort of paid out. And then whatever was left was put into a pot and left in the pot. And that was what we used for our recording money down the road. We always paid expenses and the rest of the money was for recordings, basically. And and we'd always take the significant others out for some nice meals and take them away on a couple of weekends away as a band and group. And, you know, we were a friend group, not only a band, we, we all right. liked each other and, and it was, it was a family. So, you know, I think that was a big piece of that because, because it was taking away from your leisure time, not only of your own leisure time, but of your family's leisure time mm-hmm. together with your family. Right. So, and it was secondary. It wasn't our primary, it wasn't our primary thing. So we always did really, I think some great stuff to include everybody make, you know, brought the kids to the festivals and all that sort of stuff too. And, you know, made it into a family affair, I think was one of the big learnings there too. 
That's that's fantastic. And that's really what what it's about. I mean, enjoying the it, the 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 primary thing is enjoying music. I mean, oh gosh, you really can't do music to make money. I mean, yeah, you could, but well, what's the point? You know, <laughs> you got to enjoy it. You got to yeah. enjoy the process. I mean, you got to enjoy the process for business too. So yeah, yeah, I, I'll tell you a couple of other little things too. One of one of the things we did with what I call our home festival, and, and we did it a couple of other ones, but we had a couple of festivals that we played at fairly regularly. You know, mm. every year, every second year. So, and we would always, you know, I like to barbecue. So I, I had a couple. Of, I had to, you know, a big barbecue, big spit, and we'd pop on a bunch of roast beef, you know, put the garlic in it. And, and, and we, we literally invited off the stage, you know, anybody that wants to stop over to where we were all sort of set up at the thing, just come on over and help yourself to a roast beef sandwich while, while, uh, supplies last, you know? So we would, we would do that kind of stuff, bring the, bring the fans in, have some fun. And I mean, I just think that those kind of memories are what it's all about. And then, and then be able to, after you have your roast beef, everybody at the bluegrass festivals, people just walk around with their instruments. Right. So it's like, sit down, let's have a tune, you know, really informal and friendly. And it was just, you know, whether you're up on stage or whether you're picking in the pasture, it was always fun. Fantastic. So what made you get into coaching and the podcast? So almost my entire life, I was saying, you know, I've been, I've been in business for a long time. So almost my entire life, anybody who's kind of around me that's in business comes to me for advice. It's just been one of those things, you know, and I'm always happy to give and, you know, always happy to chat, chat about it. And like I said, I, I love talking business. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I decided that I do have some time because my businesses are running fairly well. I call it turnkey where, Mm -hmm. you know, basically you've got a turnkey operation and I've got management in place. I mean, I'm there, I'm, I'm around, but ultimately I don't have to be there every day running the business. I've got people in place for that because of the systems that I've set up. Right. Mm. So it allows me again, that freedom to go back and, and help other people do that as well. So it, it's, it's, that's why I got into it because it's like, people are always asking me for this and people, and I love talking about it and it's, it gives, it doesn't drain energy from me. It gives me energy. Mm. And from that perspective, I want, I want to be doing stuff that give me energy, you know, and, and really make me feel good. So from that perspective, I can work with people and help them through these frustrations and really see them make some significant steps. It's really a rewarding thing. So from that perspective, you know, I changed the name of my business. It was called Entrepreneurial Council, but then I, I, I became a business made simple coach, certified coach last year and changed my, the name of my business to simplifying entrepreneurship. And then just for a reach out. And, you know, when we talk about recording projects, well, I haven't been on stage for a couple of years, as I said, I, there's nothing going on. So I said, you know, there's another way I could be on stage and that's on a podcast. And I used to do bluegrass shows. I was on the radio and stuff like that. So this was a sort of a natural thing for me to add into the podcast. And I, you know, we called the podcast the same as, as my business, simplifying entrepreneurship. And the whole idea around those podcasts is they're 15 minute 20 minute max, but basically I interview somebody, we come on, we talk about something that's going to elevate your business in some given way, give you an actionable tip that you can take and use right after the podcast so that it's going to either give you the opportunity to have a better life or a better business. And that's, you know, loving it. We've just, we're 19 episodes in as of today. We just launched our 19th here today. 
Awesome. So it's, you know, uh, four months down, I've already got another 15 recorded and really liking those getting, you know, stuff out ahead of me and like the process and, and enjoying the conversations. I just love having these conversations. I, I mean, I'm learning as much as I hope our, our listeners are. That's, that's great. What have you found the most challenging thing about podcasting is? I think the most, the most challenging, well, you know, um, we talked about processes a little while ago and it's setting up that initial process and, and how do you want to repurpose all your stuff? Mm. For me, when I look, and this is something you can do for your band now too, right? But for me, what I do is I literally have my recording. We'll have a 10 to 15 minute chat. And then after we do that, and I set that all up, by the way, with automations, I use Calendly for setting up the appointment. The Calendly does an automation and asks people a bunch of different questions so that I get all the information ahead of time. And then so all of that sort of stuff's automated and all set up. And then we come on live and we have a little pre-up for about five minutes before we go into the interview, kind of like we did today. Mm -hmm. And then we roll into the interview. And then after the interview, I go back and I do my, my pre and my post sort of chat, then my portion of that is done. I hand it off to my podcast producer. But after that, I take the videos, I send them to an outsource company and they compile them for YouTube, put a lower third on it, make it look pretty. And then they'll clip out a couple of pieces that I can use for uh, social. And then I also uh, send it to another person for copywriting and they'll copyright for me a blog out of, out of that, make a blog out of our conversation each week. And they also copyright for me a email so that I can send that email to my mailing list. And in that, it kind of goes through, you know, the points of topic and tells them to listen to the podcast essentially. So that's one of my mark. So all of those things that we just talked about are basically automated and processed off a conversation of about 12 to 15 minutes. Wow. And then what what is a significant opportunity that's come out of that? Out of the podcast or out of the process? Um, either or. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I look at this, at this process even, you know, as saying, I've, I've actually had my podcast producer say to me, boy, do you mind if I show your process? Cause I've got it sort of mapped out in a mind map, right? Mm. Which I use a tool called Coggle for, if anybody's interested in mind map tools, but I love Coggle. It just allows you to map it all out in a nice little way. And, and from that perspective, you know, I think there's opportunity in kind of talking to people who are doing podcasts and how they can repurpose things mm. and how they can actually, you know, get a whole lot more content out of their particular conversations that will drive that conversation a whole lot further. So from that perspective, I think that's an interesting way to look at things down the road. Now that I'm like, well, like I said, 20 or so episodes down the road, it's like, okay, this is starting to come together. And then, you know, what's, what's coming out of the podcast? Well, I've had some great conversations and I mean, I have a lead generator mm -hmm. that you know, go to, go to my site, simplifying entrepreneurship. And at the top of the website, there's a blue button. that says, take the assessment basically. So when I say that on my podcast, it's like, Hey, if you're, if you're interested in learning more about what we do, best thing to do is take the assessment and then it'll, it'll go through and basically rate your, you're going to rate your own business where you're doing well and where you're not doing well. And from that perspective, it allows me to have an opportunity to see that. And then we have a, it opens the door to have a chat and it's like, Hey, listen, you know what, if you're interested in having some help, then here's some areas that I can help. And sometimes there aren't any areas or sometimes they're just happy doing it themselves. All nonetheless, what it is, is it's an eye opening thing to say how 
you know, when you do that sort of stuff for yourself, you're saying, oh, yeah, maybe I do need to go back and, and look at that. Or maybe, oh, I am doing I feel I am pretty good in this marketing area. Or maybe I need to look at my processes or maybe I need to look at execution or leadership or whatever the case is. Right. So from that perspective, you can do that with your with your band, too, and think about what sort of lead generators can you have no, other than just a video, but like what lead generators can you have that are going to bring people in mm -hmm. and interested parties into your particular space, right? And something that may be a little different than, than everybody else is doing because, you know, and yeah, and you usually have to have several lead generators to bring people in mm -hmm. because, you know, it's, it's, people aren't just watching YouTube. They aren't just on Instagram. They aren't just on, you know, they aren't just on the normal channels. They're all over the place. So you need to have different ones for different places. Absolutely. And I, I've been thinking about this for a little bit of just, just thinking differently about how to get in front of people and get your music noticed because obviously the hey buy my single you know download my thing pre-save this doesn't really work yeah. it's like cold calling somebody yeah you know I, i've been thinking well instead of trying to go onto a music podcast which you should do anyway like you could actually think about becoming a guest on different genres different subjects talking about cooking talking about you know, if you're into cars and racing, talking about, you know, pick a subject. Yeah. And, you know, you could go on as a guest, talk about your other passion and mention, hey, I'm in this band. This is the music. This is the link. It's just that extra contact point where you can get the word out about what, you, what you're what you doing. And people, you know, like if you're a metal band, you know, I'm a metalhead. Yep. We like to eat. So somebody's listening to that cooking podcast. So. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what? I think I think that's a great idea. How can you wrap around and find the let's call them areas of influence that intersect mm. what you do, right? Like there's there's so many different ways and you know your groups. You know the groups of people that go to your type of concerts. So what else are they doing? Mhm. Mm you know, and that's the area when you look at the clubs, the groups, the different things, those are the areas. It's like, hey, listen, if, if you're I don't know if, if your particular group likes to read books, then you want to be involved in a bunch of book clubs that are around that sort of stuff. And if your particular group is playing Christian music, you want to be involved in in the church side of things that's going to help you promote your business and all of those different things, whatever it is, you know, those, those sort of things you want to wrap around these ancillary groups, basically around what you do mm -hmm. for your band. And that way you'll be able to reach out with these different lead generators and have those different conversations with all those different things that surround your band as, as the heart of your band, really. Absolutely. So let's move on to the non-quick fire question round cool what significant negative experience have you overcome and what did it teach you oh boy i did tell you i've been in business for 27 years right mm -hmm. <laughs> i've been i've had a lot of negative experiences and i think the way i look at negative experiences is that they're learning experiences mm -hmm. you know and they aren't mistakes they're learnings and that's one of the beauties of coaching it's like i don't want people to go through those learning experiences. So use mine. And mm. <laughs> from that perspective, I mean, we've, we had to close a store I mentioned earlier. One of the things that we did was we had to close one of our stores. It was dramatically underperforming. It was our most costly store in overhead and things like that. And, you know, I think the big learning there was basically 
you got to do those kind of things quickly. When, when it's mm-hmm. done, it's got to be done and chop it off quickly because it can linger and it can cost even more. And when those kind of things happen, it can take down more than just a business. It can take down a marriage. It can take down, you know, friendships. It can take down relationships. It can, I mean, it can take down a ton of stuff. So from that perspective, you know, when, when you, when you look at those sort of things and it kind of goes back to, it's the same sort of idea when you're, when you're hiring people. And there's an old adage around there that it basically says, hire slow and fire fast. And it's the same sort of thing with, with that particular store. It's like, we needed to fire that store very quickly. And we did. And because of that, we have two healthy stores that still remain and do really well. So I think that's my, that's my learning there. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. What major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow this journey? To follow the journey of, of uh, my life, basically. Answer answer how you wish. (laughs) My family. I think really is, is, is the backbone and started, you know, right from my, when I was young, I had very supportive parents and I had uh, a great family upbringing, great extended family. I've talked a little bit about them along the way, even through my musical journey, right? My sec, I call them my second parents were my cousins, my second cousin's parents that used to tote me around to all the bluegrass festivals and fiddle competitions. And they treated me like a second son or third son. Cause they have to, mm-hmm. but Always, always being wrapped around with healthy, supportive family members have been, you know, one of my biggest, my biggest things. And, and for me, I've got three boys in their twenties now, and we do our very best, my wife and I, to do the exact same for them and give them all the support that we can. So from that perspective, having healthy relationships has really given me uh, a lot in life. And I'm very grateful for that. Fantastic. Thank you. What one resource, and that could be book, podcast, blog, whatever, would you recommend to uh, musicians looking to be successful? And successful is in air quotes because it's what you define it to be. Yeah. If you're looking to treat your business or your, your band like a business, then, you know, I, I had mentioned already I'm a business made simple coach. There's a book right behind me. If anybody's watching it on video, it's the blue book and it's called Business Made Simple. Go figure. And from that perspective, I think it's a great way. I I mean, I think you can take that into the band relationship and it's really running your business the right way, setting it up like we talked about with the vision, with a mission, with the lead generators, with the, the marketing side of things, the funnel, the execution, the operations, all of those things. If you're interested in running your band like a business in those kind of ways, and that sounds kind of interesting and something maybe you're missing, then I would, I would pick up business made simple. It's, it's a quick read and easy read really uh, from that perspective each there's 60 chapters and each of the chapters is about three or four pages so it's nice easy read but even for me i've been in business a long time and from that perspective when i read this book it's it it's good for beginners but it's also great for uh, people who have been in business a long time to refresh a lot of those things and it's like oh yeah i got to go back and look at that oh yeah yeah, yeah i got to go look at that again and mm-hmm. it just kind of brings it in a really nice simple format that makes a whole lot of sense. All right. Fantastic. I'll link that in the show notes. Cool. Final question is, what does music mean to you? So music to me has brought me uh, a lot of great memories. And whether it's playing or listening, hearing a song from my youth brings back 
so many memories. I mean, I, yeah, I play bluegrass, but it's like, Hey, listen, I, I I listen to rock. I listen to country. I listen to, you know, all sorts of different stuff, uh, blues and, and I, I've never been huge into metal, no offense, but I, I have listened to, to some metal along the way. And I just appreciate good music. So from that perspective, I appreciate the musicianship of it. And I appreciate mm-hmm. the commitment it takes to put that out because I know what it takes. So from that perspective, I love that. And I love what people put into it. So when, when I, when I kind of think of that and I like simplicity in my music as well, I like to hear the tone. I like to hear, I don't like things to be overridden so that I can't really, you know, pull it out. I want to be able to hear sort of and separate those kind of things. Because to me, I start thinking about how did they put that together or how did he do this? Or, you know, thinking on the production side of things, those kind of things really are interesting. And then from the playing side of things, I mean, playing music has, has been my hobby for a long time. It's brought me a lot of, it's brought me through some trials and tribulations. It's like, hey, if I if I'm having a shitty day, no, no, uh, you know, please excuse the language. I don't know where your language policies are, but, but if I'm having if I'm having a day that just is crappy, then it's like you go grab your instrument and it takes away. It just takes it away. It's like five minutes on on your guitar and you're feeling good again. And from those perspectives, you know, how much has music brought to me? It's brought me a lot. It's brought me friends. It's brought me, you know, through some rough times. It's brought me some of the best times I've ever had. Some of the best times up on stage when you, you're you coming off the show that you just really nailed it. And you have that that high, that feeling. It's like, you know, this, that's what, that's where it's at. And those kind of feelings are hard to get when you're not performing. For sure. I mean, so, some of us are performers, right? And if you like to perform, whether, I mean, we're, we're performing here on a podcast in a way, but, but it's not the same as having that live sort of, you know, vibe of the crowd. And that crowd doesn't necessarily have to be big, but when you know you've captured them and you know that they're in, that's the feeling that I'm talking about, right? Like it, it could be, it could literally be 30 people uh, or, or 400 or 2000 or, you know, 10,000 for the people that are playing the bigger shows. But I mean, for us at festivals, you know, a few hundred, couple thousand, you know, type thing at the most. And you, you know, when the crowd's in and when the crowd's in, that is, that's a hard feeling to beat, I think. And, you know, that's brought me a lot of joy and a lot of memories when I think back at some of those stages and saying, geez, you know, that was fun. That's killer. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, just to note, my language policy is it can be as colorful as possible. Oh, well, hey, we could have used some more colorful language. Absolutely. <laughs> so if people want to get in touch and find out everything about what you do, uh, where can they go? Best way to uh, is just catch me. Uh, the easiest way is my last name, M-O-H-R dot coach, C-O-A-C-H. So more dot coach. And that takes you to my Simplifying Entrepreneurship page. Or if you just type in on Google, Simplifying Entrepreneurship, you'll catch my podcast. You'll catch my webpage. You'll catch, you know, catch me on, tw- on Twitter or Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, all the different Instagram, all the different channels or on YouTube at Simplifying Entre- Entrepreneurship as well. We always put our, our stuff up there as well. And I, and I put in a bunch of other little sort of random ones as well on YouTube. Awesome. And the band that had recorded the CDs, is that yeah. up on streaming platforms as well? 
Uh, you might be able to find some of the stuff. Like I said, the last CD was 2005 and it was called the Northern Suns. So the Northern Suns. And so we re-released and I haven't actually gone back to look, to be honest, how much is, how much is out there. But, uh, from that perspective, there was, I mean, we, we self-record or self uh, promoted all of those and what have you and put out, you know, a few thousand of each one, but it was never, it was never taken by any major label, but we did have several of the songs actually recorded by uh, major bluegrass bands, which is great. One of our, oh. our leads, our lead singer and uh, his brother who also was played banjo in the band. They wrote a lot of the tunes and mm. several of those tunes got, and our, our one just got put out this year, actually for off a CD that we did, you know, 10 years ago or more to 12 years ago, I guess. And it, it was just released. So it's nice to see some of that music that we did, you know, back then being revived again. And that's uh, that's also a, a pretty cool thing. Great. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll dig around and I'll see if I can put that in the show notes as well. So right on. All right. And then at the end, I do like to play a piece of music. So we mentioned you'd sent me a, a track. So, you know, we got the backstory of when it happened and, yeah. and who, but is there a story behind how it was written or, or the subject matter? No, not really. This is just, it's a classic, uh, it's a classic bluegrass tune that we always liked playing. This, this is my cousin and I singing, uh, one of my, one of my best buddies. Mm. And, uh, we always liked to do that sort of brotherly harmony type stuff. And from that perspective, nice, simple tune again, like that idea of, of clean, clean, sort of distinct melody and, and that sort of stuff from that perspective, but love, love the tune. Uh, it's a, it's old hot rise tune. That's the name of the band that originally recorded. So this one isn't a, isn't an original tune, but it's just one that we always love doing. And we just happened to be Mm -hmm. sitting around the recording studio that day and decided to kind of chime one off just for fun. Awesome. And we'll hear that at the end. So this has been a fantastic conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. And uh, thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Continued success. And thank you again. Awesome. Make it a great day. Thank you so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform, as this really helps get the word out about the podcast so other musicians can benefit from the awesome knowledge that my guests are sharing. The more the musicians' community collectively learns, the stronger we will become. A rising tide lifts all ships. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering a full range of apparel decoration and promotional items, such as screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and much more. The Skinny Armadillo is now offering a merch fulfillment service, including on-demand printing and a custom-built web store, so you can concentrate on your music and running your business as a musician. Visit theskinnyarmadillo.com or call 817-546-1430 to learn how the Skinny Armadillo can help you take your merch to the next level. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Pete Moore and Shine with Nellie Kane. Cabin with a son by another man 
Five years she had waited on him as long as a woman can, as long as a woman can. I don't know what changed my mind till then I was a rambling kind, kind of love I can't explain that I have for Nellie Kane. Explain that I had for Nellie Kane. 